It's about time someone gets real. Bro, are you sure we're even supposed to be listening to this? Welcome to the Church Misfit Podcast with motivational and thought-provoking content designed to push you further personally, professionally, and spiritually. If this don't move you, you might be dead. Here's your host, Catalyst Collective founder, Joe Elliott. Okay, Zach, so this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to simply share three things that we've epically failed on when it comes to trying to recruit volunteers. And <laughs> How'd you only, narrow it down? Only three. Okay. We picked three really good ones, okay, that I think, uh, I think everybody can learn from our pains and mistakes. And then two wins, two okay. things that we've gotten right, okay? Almost balances out. Almost. Okay. Almost. But, you know, you have to fail forward, right? That's- that's how it works. All right, let's jump into this, and, uh, and and I hope those that are watching, listening, are going to be able to filter, you know, what we're saying through the lens of what they're doing, and uh, and really come up with with a good strategy here on how to how to recruit and retain volunteers. Here's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of our many failures. Um, one is in dating back to like day one of Catalyst, which was 2011, like. Failing to tell good stories that really connected with people's hearts. Yeah, All right. Because I think you know when you're when you're in charge of something, you're sometimes you're either so down on the ground level or you're so thinking high level, you're not thinking like a volunteer who's going to come and donate their time. You just know that you need help, and you're trying to explain in simple form what you need help with. And you don't understand. You look around and see other people with free time. You're like, I don't understand why people can't just jump in and help me Mm -hmm. because they have the ability to do it. They're just not doing it. Why aren't they, you know, they see the need. They see what I see. Why aren't they doing something? Yeah, no, for sure. So capturing those stories, telling their stories, I think just building that into your culture. Mm -hmm. Because whenever you capture and you share stories, not only do they get like a little you know, a little pump, like it's like a, a bang energy drink or whatever, mm-hmm. like it revitalizes them, but it also trains them to see the wins all around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so definitely I look back and I know there's countless stories throughout our history mm-hmm. and I know there's a ton that I've just missed documenting and recording. And here's a good example, right? So we work with teens and we, we have a lot of small groups and we need small group leaders. So a, a bad example, or a good example of us failing, rather. Yeah, good example it, of a bad thing. Is us knowing that we need small group leaders, and then going to someone who know we know will work well with teens and be a great small group leader, and say, hey, would you be willing to be a small group leader? Because we really need somebody um, to work with these teens, you know? And then we go on, and we're just giving them facts and information. Like, here, we meet on Wednesdays, and it's an hour and a half of your time. You know, could you commit to three months? And it's, like, almost like a low-level job description we're handing them. And we've moved way past the stories. We mm-hmm. haven't captured their hearts at all, yeah. right? And, and capturing their hearts is key to capturing their feet. But I feel like, fast forward eight years, nine years, how we've gotten that right now is with like the workshops we're doing for the the court appointed students that uh, are attending these workshops, right? Because now we go to those same small group leaders we were recruiting nine years ago, but now we're coming to them with a story. Like, hey, 
Um, can I get a minute of your time? I, I want to tell you something that we're involved in that I think you might really be interested in, right? How do you how do you pitch the the court thing when you tell people? Uh, so the court thing, I mean, is really any time that I tell that court thing, I talk about the time that I was there. Yeah, and I talk about one specific student that I was able to encounter, mm -hmm. where we started off saying, "You have unlimited time, money, and resources." And immediately I found myself in their worst case scenario, like the situation that everybody is scared of. Mm -hmm. I know coming into these volunteer opportunities that people have legitimate fear. Mm -hmm. Like, can I do this? Am I the right person for this? What do I say? In this case, like what happens if I say to a student, you have unlimited time, money, resources, and he says, I want to take over the world. And you probe, like, you want to fix the world? And he says, like, no, I want to be the next Hitler. And I'm like, whoa. And so then I just talk about how that story turned out, mm -hmm. how, and it really wasn't anything that I did. It was just me loving and caring on the student. So that's where I encouraged them. But he ended up giving me his phone number. We were able to talk about his Myers-Briggs back and forth. I think because I invested in him, he responded and we still talk to this day. We talked about the job that he has now and how his Myers-Briggs play, Briggs plays out. We've never talked about him taking over the world. And, and if he does, mm -hmm. then I think I'm on his good side. Mm -hmm. But that's the story that I share with people because they understand the fear, they understand the pain, and they understand they can get through it. Yeah, and, and, and if I'm hearing that for the first time and you're trying to recruit me as a volunteer, I, I feel like I'm being pulled into your story because now I can envision myself and what it might look like for me to, to be a small group leader and how I might be able to be the hero like you were the hero totally right yeah. and I, i'm like that connects i'm like oh, i could i could probably do this i think that's it people respond to stories that's how we carry forth like beliefs and values and everybody wants to be the hero yes and so if you position them as the hero which all of our volunteers are mm -hmm. then uh then you win so same same situation here's the story i use right i come in and now i'm saying now imagine a a, a courtroom full of kids that are required to sit for a two-hour presentation. They don't want to be there. They come angry, upset, disconnected, and then two hours later, leave shaking your hand, thanking you, and giving their number to you, asking if they mm -hmm. can connect further. And that leaves somebody with a, what just yeah. happened in that two hours for that kind of radical turnaround. I need you to come and be a part of this to find out. You'll, yeah, be, you'll be totally. excellent. You'll be excellent at it. So you can see how the, the, the power of stories really matters, right? And so we weren't doing that in the beginning. We weren't doing that for the longest time. And we're now starting to get a little bit better at it. But it's been an epic fail of ours. The second one, um, when I think of the fails, I think of, of not having a good volunteer care plan, yeah. whatever that is. Like once somebody volunteers with us the first time, it's like we almost assume they're going to be with us for life and they're going to be as committed as we are and they're going to, you know, they're not going to need the attaboys or the accolades or anything, the encouragement. They're just going to power through and they're going to be at the next one because they see the value of what we're doing. And that's not the case. Yeah. I think at a very, very base level, I know that if I'm a boss and I have employees or if I'm running an organization, and I have volunteers. Mm -hmm. If I take care of them, then they're going to be better workers. They're going to be better employees. They're going to be better volunteers. But when you get so overwhelmed by just the stresses of the job mm -hmm. and all the little things and honestly like in volunteership like a lot of these you kind of take onto your own back mm -hmm. you get so overwhelmed with just everything that has to be done that you forget about that yep. and you move away from it yep 
And so run an after hours program in a middle school. People come and they, they walk through those front doors mm-hmm. for their first time. And I'm excited about everything going on there. Mm-hmm. I, I see students' lives change. I know what happens, but they're walking back into middle school. Mm-hmm. And so they've almost got like PTSD. Mm-hmm. They're stepping back into their identity issues. Mm-hmm. They're overwhelmed, surrounded by like screaming middle school kids. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to figure out what do I do? Where do I start? How do I fit in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so. it, and it's tough. And especially if you're one of those leaders who's just pounds the pavement, like gives your sweat, blood, tears to everything you do, 110%. You don't need kudos or credit. You just you just know the job needs to get done and you show up to do it and you assume others are like that. Because that's, that's kind of how I feel I am sometimes. And, mm-hmm. I, and I miss the fact that other people are donating their time to this and they would like to know that what they're doing on a regular basis is making a difference. Totally. That it either matters to me as the person they're volunteering under, it, matter, it matters to the mission that they're volunteering for, something. Like, how, how, how are we constantly coming around them and making sure they know they're cared for, they're known, they're valued, they're making a difference? Like, you have to be intentional about those things to keep people motivated to give their best. Yeah, and you're great at doing that, like great at encouraging people, but I know it's something you have to work towards, like with your personality type. Yeah. Like almost write down to uh, do. I absolutely have to write it down because it doesn't flow naturally. Mm-hmm. I literally have to put on a to-do list, don't forget to encourage this team this week. Yeah. Right? And if and if you're you know that kind of Myers-Briggs, J-minded person like I am, do that. And, and and make sure it gets done. It doesn't mean it's not authentic. It's just I I just have to remind myself to stop and appreciate those around me. Totally. I think so we got to listen to Gary Vanderchuk last right. week. Yeah. And they were talking about not just CEOs, or they were talking as CEOs mm-hmm. or COOs. They were talking about CHOs. Mm-hmm. And so in his company he implemented a chief heart officer. Yeah. Somebody who just works with employees, mm-hmm. making sure that they're being the best, doing yes. the best. Yeah, because we know that affects work performance. Yeah, you're managing culture, and that's important. Even if somebody's only donating an hour a month, they're still a part of your culture, and yeah, that, and that matters. So, but yeah, they're either adding yeah. to it or taking away from it. Yeah, so. yeah, good point. Yeah, um, third third epic fail that comes to to my mind is not, and it kind of goes with what we we're just saying, but it's a little different. Not celebrating the wins often enough, mm. right? When when something does go right, for a, a volunteer does something amazing or we experience something amazing, not sharing that with everybody to get everybody excited. Yeah. You know, um, we've done this and, and we, uh, in the early stages of us fundraising for the organization, we, we used the, what we call the, the Benavon model. It wasn't our model. It's the Benavon model. And, um, and, and so in it, they called it, feel good cultivating events, right? Yeah. You remember those? Like, we're going we're gonna to have an event, and we're, we're just going to really celebrate what's been going on. Mm-hmm. And people feel good about the mission that they're a part of. Um, we didn't do that for years, right? We read about it. Yeah. We did it occasionally, like maybe once a year or something like that. But then there were all these small wins that happened on a weekly basis that could have been tweets or Instagram posts or Facebook posts. And and we just didn't do it consistently enough. I think we're a little bit better at it now. Yeah, uh, you're much better we still at it. Could get a lot better at it. Yeah, yeah, but. you're you're much you're much better at it than I am. But like that, th- those little things matter. Yeah, no, definitely. It. 
I mean, cause here's the deal, like doing good at mm-hmm. scale is mm-hmm. hard work mm-hmm. and everybody can feel the hard work. I can leave a, an after hours campus and just be wiped out. Yeah. Um, it's good to remember why I'm doing that. That was another good thing from that Benavon model was they did like a, a retread experience. Mm-hmm. So everybody would get around the table and they would talk about, hey, why'd you plug into this in the first place? Yeah. Just remember your wins. Remember your why right. and revisit that. Yeah. And uh, and everybody at the table can do that. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. Okay, so two wins. Two things yeah. that we've gotten right, baby. Let's celebrate. Um, one of them, and this is my favorite one. This is, I really, I really take pride in, in that we got this right, and I think we can even do so much better than we've done it. But, but creating a way for volunteers to engage in their passions. Yeah. So that's been key for us. And, and so, if you're hearing that, you're thinking, well, that's kind of a no-brainer. Why would you're not going to have people volunteer in areas of their weaknesses? You know, that's not exactly what we mean. We mean that like before we get before somebody's volunteering with us, they're filling out an application and on that application, we're asking them about their life experiences, their personality types, their natural talents, their passions. We want to know who this person is and what they care about in the world and what they're naturally good at. And we're almost going to go out of our way at times to create a position if we need to where that mm-hmm. person can step in and shine by operating in areas of their strength and unique design. Yeah. I love saying like, man, you have a great idea. You have a passion mm-hmm. for that. Do you want to own it? Yeah. And just let them run with it. Yeah. Uh, a good example of this, a good story to revisit mm-hmm. is I had a roommate who is about my age. So older than high schoolers, but I invited him to come to after hours with me. He sees all the high schoolers. He's wondering like, Hey man, I don't have my life all figured out. I don't know really what I'm all like, what would I tell them? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, don't tell them anything. Like just go and play video games Mm -hmm. with them. Mm -hmm. You play video games here, go play video games with them there. Mm -hmm. And so he goes and he plays video games. And the next thing I know, I start to see a relationship develop. Like these guys start investing Mm -hmm. in one another. And this student is excited that somebody Mm -hmm. is is like they're known and somebody's talking with them. And he's excited because he's starting to tap into like, the joy that comes with giving away, right? Like mm-hmm. he's starting to come back to life, tap mm-hmm. into his purpose. Mm-hmm. And it was just using something simple that he already felt comfortable doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's even more true when it's a passion, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, art right. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and that's it. I mean, when, when, when somebody is, is doing something they're passionate about and, and they have the skills to, to shine in it, it's kind of the the best of all those worlds, and creating those pathways for that to happen is is important, mm-hmm. right? And that's and that's you know for us that when we come from a church background, um, you know it's it's tough because in the in church world we're looking at like okay we need ushers, greeters, people to work childcare, like. Mm-hmm. We just need you to put in your time because we need you yeah. in these areas. My passion was never child yeah, care. Yeah, yeah. That was birth control. Yeah. But I, there was a need. And, that, and that's always, yeah, and that's always been, uh, you know, uh, you know, point of debate because, yeah, to some extent, we do need those things and they are less glamorous mm-hmm. than other areas that we could be serving in. And yet... 
there are people that are gifted with the gift of hospitality. And if the right stories are being told, right, if the right care plan is in place, if you're celebrating, if you know what a win looks like in the usher team and you're celebrating it every week when those wins happen and, and, and people are operating in that gift of hospitality, it doesn't have to be a, oh, I'm just an usher because I need ushers. Yeah, because you and I would make good greeters, but like mm-hmm. not natural greeters. Right. It's going to drain us to no end. Yeah. And so we'll put on our best smile and we'll shake hands. But our goal would be to work ourselves out of that position to hopefully get other people who are naturally yeah. suited to do that. Yeah. Or else we'd burn out. But even so, I would want, I would still need to know, is this ushering even matter? If I'm, if I'm not at the front door or I am, if I show people their seat or I don't, does it really matter? Otherwise, I'm just, I'm gone. I'm not going to last long. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I need to be celebrating the wins and all that kind of stuff along the way. But the last one, last one. Okay. And that's uh, the other thing that we've really gotten right, in my opinion. Yeah. You can correct me if I'm wrong here. But, and I think this has come on, especially in the, in the latter few years, but partnering with outside groups. Yeah. Right. No, I love it. So uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, mm-hmm. go back to that. One of the things he talks about is like, if you create music, then get on Instagram and connect with other influencers, mm-hmm. connect with other people. There are a ton of people out there. If you search Austin mentoring or you search Austin volunteering who are out there and want to do the same thing mm-hmm. that you're doing. Yep. And so you're able to partner and create, like accomplish something more than you could by yourself. Yes. So find those other people. They'll spur you on too. Yeah. You know, because they have that same heartbeat, maybe a different skill set or a different way of going about it. Mm-hmm. But you guys can come together and they'll spur you on. Yeah. And it really starts with just starting to ask the question. Who else is generally interested in the similar kind of mission that I have? And let me go proactively out there and start partnering with them in certain areas. Start Mm -hmm. tapping into their networks, like learning what they do, being a resource for them as they learn what we do and they're a resource for us. Right. And and when when it comes to, you know, if you're if you're a nonprofit, you you just have to learn to think outside your box more. And if you're a church, well, this may be tough to recruit for internal ministries, right? Partnering out with outside agencies. But as, when it comes to outreach, you, you're not the only church that wants to reach a certain segment of the population. Yeah. So who else cares about that segment of the population and partner with them and partner, yeah. you know? And so it's... Uh, well, and yeah. if you're a church, there's a ton of good parachurches out there. I mean, I know this great nonprofit who works helping the next generation discover and live their purpose. Mm -hmm. And I could put a ton of students and families in front of churches. I would love to build those partnerships. And so there's other groups out there to reach out to. Yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, last point on that, uh, I think the fear of, of, of partnering with outside groups is that you're putting in work and you might not reap the reward, right? If I'm a church and I'm partnering with someone else and we're reaching a segment, what if they don't come to my church, right? Like, well, was that the goal of the outreach anyway? Is that, the, is that how we're measuring our success is if I can get them into my church and turn them into tithers? Or were we trying to bring a product or service to them? Were we trying to bring about a life change or decision or situation? And whether we do it or another group does it, does it who cares? The right. fact is we partnered together and we went out and we did what we set out to do. Right. And, and if we're more open handed with it, um, 
then you, it's going to be surprising how many people start to come, you know, and partner with you. So, yeah. You know, anyway. I think that's, that's a faith thing. Yeah. And, you know, just watch what happens. Like, as you serve yeah. and you love on people well, even if they get plugged into another church, that's a win for the king. Like, that's a win for all of us. Yeah. But what if they go and they tell somebody else, like, hey, I know this church. I ran into them at ACC, and I think they'd be a great fit for you, man. You should go check it out. Yeah. So you never know. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Well, I hope that helps. I mean, I was, those three fails, two wins, and um, maybe if we do this again a year from now, we can have one fail and eight wins okay. to share. But uh, yeah. yeah, hit us up if you have any questions on uh, on anything we said here and you'd like to dig deeper. We're, we're an open book here at Catalyst, so we'd, we'd love to to help you not fail where we did and, and succeed in even greater ways. So hit us up. For more free content from Joe and his team of church misfits, visit www.catalystcollective.community.